space If not for grace Sing it with me
worship. Come on, church.
God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a forgiving Father. You cannot go far enough for His grace to reach you. today. Oh, do you feel it? Come on. For those of you that are here, maybe for the first time or second time, and, and you feel something powerful and you can't explain, let me tell you something. That's the presence of Almighty God trying to do a work in your life. You don't have to be the same as the song says. Ever since that day, I've been changed for the better. Praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Man, on a beautiful Sunday morning, you say, well, it's raining outside. It's supposed to be summer. Man, the sun is shining bright in here. Can't you see it? Hallelujah. 
Good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be back. See all my friends and family and all of our guests. Man, I'm happy to have our pastor and first lady back. God bless them. Are you glad to be back, Sister Mayo? Amen. Pastor, I know you're glad to be back. We're so glad to have them. And Man, I'm so glad that Jesus is here and showed up today. Hey, know this. He will always show up where he's invited. Amen. Wherever he's invited and, and people are sending up praise, he says, that's where I want to be. And he is here today, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, we're glad for all of our guests. Many guests are here today. Cornerstone, let's welcome our guests. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got to meet many of them. Oh, special guests. Bree Powers is in the house today. God bless Sister Bree. She happened to just drop in on us. We're glad that she's here. I'm sure my son is glad. Amen. But anyways, why don't you slip out in the aisle? We like to take a few moments to greet one another. Amen. So Cornerstone, find someone and greet yourself.
and to give him great praise. A great God is worthy of great praise. Come on. If God's only done a little bit for you, just give him a little praise. But if God has done great things, glorious things, mighty things, somebody praise him. God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. This is a very important Sunday for several reasons. God is here. You are here. And today we are here to dedicate Oliver James Reed. Now, yes. Now, when somebody names, when somebody says the name Oliver, I, I already pay attention. There, there's something about to happen when somebody mentions the name of Oliver. And uh, this is going to be a great day. At this time, I want to invite uh, Brother Jake and Sister Nanette to bring little baby Oliver down here. And I'm going to mention some of you. If you would just come up, stand up and come on down. Uh, the entire Davies family. The Reed family, Sister Mayo, the Abbey family, all of the Sargent family, the Earls family, the Gazande family, Brother and Sister Roslo, um, all of the O'Gwins, Brother and Sister Roberts, and all of the Cornerstone youth. Oh, come on. Hillary Clinton had it wrong. It doesn't take a village. It takes a church. Oh, my goodness, look at this. Hallelujah. What a, what a great-looking group here right now in Jesus' name. Praise God. Little baby Oliver, I'm telling you, there's just something special about Oliver in Jesus' name. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. The raising of a family, the art, the responsibility, and the incredible privilege of raising a family in Western culture has been lost to entertainment, social media, and shallow relationships. In the kingdom of God and in the house of God, there are certain principles that when they are put into place, they guarantee and assure us that the presence of God, the promises of God, will be maintained under our roof and go with our children. And so we are going to pray here in several moments for baby Oliver, but I have a charge to give this man, this woman, and their family, and those of you that consider yourself friends, that you raise little Oliver up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. While the youth of today is caught 
with the hysteria of entertainment and finding their value and their identity from Hollywood and this modern culture. Oliver's identity is assured in the Word of God and in the kingdom of God. Let your conversation always be positive and salted with wisdom. Let there be laughter in that home and not criticism and the rancor of bitterness. Let it be an environment that fosters faith and accepting the promises of God and not the things that are of this world. Always continually praise God. Let prayer be echoed in every room of that house. Let the Holy Ghost fill every room. I like what Brother Alviar said last week, and I even believe this, that they believe in anointing everything in their house. And I think that that's a good practice to do in faith, to anoint every room, every door, every, every entranceway in that home. But more importantly, let the prayers of a father and a mother be heard by little Oliver. Let him be raised to hear, Brother Jake, you praising your wife and not critiquing your wife. Sister Nanette, let him be raised to hear you lifting your husband up and not putting your husband down. These are the kind of platforms that God can build upon to raise a successful and a blessed life. And so, church, if you'd stand with us this morning, I invite you to extend your right hand towards the front, and we're going to pray for baby Oliver. Would you lift your voice and pray with us right now, Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, in a world where life has been minimized and the value of a life been minimized, God, we are here to rectify the wrongs of our world, to establish that which is strong and straight and right. God, I pray by the authority of the name of Jesus that you will build a hedge of protection around Oliver's mind and heart by the authority of Jesus' name. And if you should tarry your coming, I pray that you raise him up to affect his generation with the anointing and the unction of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you keep your hand upon this father, Brother Jake. Lead him and guide him, O oh God, into the depths and the deep things of God. Keep your hands upon Sister Nanette, that there can be laughter and joy and power in that home in the name of Jesus. Let revival be in that home. Let the glory and the depth and the deep things of God be discussed in that home. Let the joy of the Lord be in every room, in every conversation, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your mighty hand upon this family. Build a hedge of protection. I pray for the attendant family that, that your, your conversations are salted with wisdom, that whatever proceedeth out of your mouth would edify and glorify and create an environment for this child and other children to come. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I know he's trying to get home. He's trying to grab the mic. Okay. Now listen, your day will come.
okay? But right now the pastor's got the mic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love this family. And I also want to pray right now that whatever doors God opens for you, walk through them. Walk through them with boldness. This is an hour where there is no place for doubt. There's no place for hesitation. There's no place for reservation. We need boldness. We need to trust in the Lord at all times. In Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together and give God the praise. You may be seated. You all may return to your seat. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Amen, amen. What a beautiful day, huh? Here with beautiful people. I'd like us all to stand. I'd like the ushers to come as we prepare to receive an offering while they do come. Just want to remind the church uh, that morning prayer is here from 5.30 a.m. to 9 o'clock. And uh, Tuesday we'll have service. Be here at 7 o'clock for prayer, 7.30 for service. And then we'll have all family prayer, like we usually do here, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Amen. How many believe that there's power in prayer? Prayer gets things done, folks. If we're ever going to get anything from God or get the mind of God, it's going to come through prayer. This doesn't happen by happenstance or by coincidence. But when we make a collective effort as the body of Christ, seeking Him in prayer, that's when things begin to happen, praise God. Amen. Once again, let's give our guests a warm welcome. We are so happy that you are here. We wouldn't want to have church without you. Amen. And if you were a first-time guest, you should have received a guest card. And if you didn't get one, it looks like this. See an usher, and they will get you one before the service is over. Fill that information out and turn it in at the coffee shop because we want to give you a free coffee. All our guests get treated right around here. Yeah. Amen. Come get a free drink. Don't leave after altar service, but meet us out in the coffee shop. Hang out, and let's just get to know one another. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads as we pray for this offering. Lord Jesus, we thank you for meeting us here today, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. You are so good to us, God. We ask that you would bless this time as we celebrate your provision for us. As we sow back into your kingdom, God, anoint it, Lord God. Use it to reach others, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and the church says, amen. Let's worship the Lord and give today.
do that right now. Let's exalt him. Come on, let's exalt him over the confusion of this world and the problems that attempt to cling to our minds. Oh, I'm going to praise, praise him. I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to magnify him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In conjunction with what Brother David has already mentioned this morning, it's so good to see so many visitors in the house of the Lord. I trust you feel God's presence. You feel that welcoming atmosphere that is only created from the power and the presence of God. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's so good to have Brother and Sister Claiborne with us here this morning in Cornerstone. And uh, Brother Claiborne has actually been preaching uh, in Spokane several times for Brother Jesse Gamboa pastoring up at Cornerstone North. And um, in talking to Brother Claiborne, we just got it all worked out where he was going to be able to be with us for several Sundays. So he's not only going to be preaching here today, but he's also going to be preaching here next Sunday. And I think we should give them a warm hand. Welcome. Welcome. Now, before, before uh, Brother Claiborne came to Spokane to preach uh, at the invitation of Brother Gamboa, I had heard, I'd heard some good things already. Isn't that good? You know, you're going to hear stuff, but thank God it's good when it happens. Thank God it's good. And uh, we've already talked to Brother Claiborne. He is going to be starting a revival with us in January. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to go. Brother Claiborne, welcome to Cornerstone. We want you to come and take your liberty and preach the Word of God. One more time, let's put our hands together under the Lord. to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I got, I think I got 30 or 40 percent of you. What about everybody? Are we all glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. You can be seated just for a moment. I will be reading from, uh, in just a few moments, I'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, verses 14 through 18, verse 21. And then verses 37 through 39. So we're going to hop, skip, and jump through Acts chapter 2. Again, verses 1 through 4, verses 14 through 18, verse 21, and verses 37 through 39. And while the media team is getting that ready, I just want to say what a pleasure and what an honor it is to be here with you at Cornerstone on a Sunday morning. Amen. It truly is my honor. And of course, I want to give honor where it's due to your pastor and his wife, brother and sister Mayo. Amen. Thank you so much for the invitation to come, for allowing my wife and I to be here. Uh, we don't take this opportunity lightly. We don't take your trust behind this pulpit lightly. So thank you for having us. And uh, we have got to get to know them a little bit over the past few months, uh, not as well as we'd like to. So we're looking forward to the privilege of getting to spend more time with them and get to know them more. Amen. I don't want to take too long in my remarks here because I do want to dive into the word of the Lord. I do feel the spirit of the Lord prompting me this morning. But I would be remiss if I didn't take a little bit of time to just point out some uh, familiar faces here in the crowd. Amen. First, I want to say it's good to see Pastor Gamboa. 
there in the back. Appreciate him. And, man, we've been preaching over there at Cornerstone North, and uh, we just feel like we have a second family with him over there at Cornerstone North. So thank you, Pastor Gamboa, and thank you to this church for all you've done to support the church on the north side. Thank you for your investments, your prayers. Amen. All your investment into Pastor Gamboa over the years. Thank you for doing that. Now I have a good, solid friend, amen, who I love very dearly. So thank you for all that you have done to support that. Good to see Brother and Sister Boggs here. It's been a long time since I've seen them. Amen. Uh, last time I saw you all was way down south, Chehalis, Centralia area. So give you honor today. It's good to see you. He picked me up from the airport many times for preaching engagements. So I appreciate him very much. Uh, it's good to see Brother Lowell Anderson and his uh, family here. Did I get that right? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. It's been a long time since I've seen you, brother. I want to make sure I got your name right. Amen. It's, it's been at least uh, five, six or more years, but so good to see you and your family. Amen. And uh, I hear that the person who wrote that Amaze song is around here somewhere. There he is, right there. There's my friend Kyle. So glad to get to be with him. And the entire autopilot worship team to all of you guys, wherever you are. Uh, I, I know you know this. I did want to share this. This has probably already been shared, but I do think this is important to share. My wife and I have been privileged to sing the song that uh, Brother Kyle and the autopilot team wrote all over this, this nation. And as you know, other churches have been doing it. And the very first time my wife and I practiced it, we, the very first time we sang it was in Oakland, California. And we sang it, and um, I had a message prepared to preach and everything. But we sang that song, and God had other plans. And I didn't get to preach. The Holy Ghost fell, and we had several people filled with the Holy Ghost that Sunday morning. Amen. Are you thankful for apostolic songwriters, for anointed music? Amen. So God bless them. Appreciate Brother Kyle and his friendship and the entire Gisande family. Amen. Had the privilege to visit them, their home a few times, and uh, experiment, mess around in the studio. So thank you for your kindness and your hospitality to the Gisandes. Amen. Uh, and saving the, the, uh, the best for last, as I always do. Amen. I want to say how grateful I am to have my beautiful wife with me. She makes my world go round, and I wouldn't be who I am without her. So, so, so glad she's here. And, uh, amen. That's appropriate. Amen. And also, um, she was able to bring a friend with her. Amen. So glad Sister Mike that's here all the way from the Seattle area. This is my wife's best friend. They've been friends for a long, 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 long time. And so she's here visiting with us, taking some time to hang out. So glad she gets to be here with us this morning. Amen. Well, I hope your hands aren't too tired of clapping. Amen. I hope your legs aren't too tired of leaping because we're going to jump into the word of the Lord here. And I believe God is going to speak to us today. Amen. If it's your custom, we could stand for the reading of the word. Amen. I, I, want us, I want us to read this together. I know most of us here have read this passage many, many, many thousands, if not millions of times. But there are some of us here, our good friends, who perhaps it's your first time visiting or your second or third time. Maybe you're not as familiar with this passage, with this chapter that I'm going to read. So I want to draw your attention to this. It's very, very important. This is going to be the foundation, the cornerstone for for where we go in the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. We, we are, the Word of God is our anchor. And everything that I preach is going to emanate from this foundation of text that we are going to read here in just a moment. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. That just means this experience of speaking in tongues came to each of them. They each experienced it the same. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Are you glad that you don't have to fake anything? The Spirit gives us the utterance. Amen? Verses 14 through 18, skipping on. Then Peter is standing up now to preach his sermon. He has been accused of being a drunkard. He has been accused of being crazy. The people standing around him that don't understand the 120 people talking in tongues, and they're starting to mock them and question them, and now Peter gets a chance to respond, and he stands up, and he begins to preach basically the first Pentecostal sermon, and we're going to read a piece of it. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, "Ye men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m., we haven't had time to get this drunk off of alcohol. Amen. This is a different kind of drunk. Amen. They are not drunken as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What you are seeing and hearing is what was prophesied by Joel. What did Joel prophesy? Here it is. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Verse 21, I love this statement that Peter makes. This should give all of us hope this morning, every single one of us. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, look at your neighbor and say whosoever, shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody that wants it, anybody that's hungry and thirsty, if they're willing to cry out for it and ask the Lord for it, they will receive salvation. It's not they might receive it. It's not they will possibly receive it. It says they shall be saved. Finally, Acts 2, verses 37 through 39. Amen. This is what it says. Now Peter is done with his sermon, and here is the altar call, okay? And we're about to have one of those in a few moments as well at the end of the sermon. And so here's the altar call, and the Bible says when they heard this, when the crowds heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That word pricked means acute emotional distress. They were deeply convicted over Peter's sermon, and they wanted a change. They wanted a difference. They were tired of where their life had been up to that point, and they needed something new. They wanted what Peter was offering. So they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, what shall we do to be saved? We need salvation. Okay, Peter, you preached it to us. You convicted us. You showed us we're in sin and that we need a Savior. What shall we do? And Peter gives us the answer in, in verse 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the removal of all your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children. To all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I know that was a lengthy passage of scripture reading this morning, but I believe that's going to help us and give us a launching point this morning. And what I want to preach to us about today is this, this simple thought. It is time for an outpouring. It's time for an outpouring. Could you look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, it's time for an outpouring. Now, if you're going to help me preach this morning, go ahead and continue clapping your hands, lifting your hands, lifting your voice. Let's make sure every distraction is pushed aside. 
Come on, let's make sure anything that can stand between us and Jesus is moved aside today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Spokane as it is in heaven, at Cornerstone Liberty Lake as it is in heaven. Come on, somebody let your faith rise right now. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. One man said this, it is no use saying that if there is a God who is absolute goodness, that you do not like him and you're not going to bother about him. For the trouble is that one part of you is on his side and really you agree with this this perfect goodness. You agree with his disapproval of human greed and trickery and exploitation. Now you may want him to make an exception in your own case to let you off this one time. But you know inside that unless God really and unalterably hates that sort of sinful behavior, then he cannot be good. On the other hand, we know that if there does exist an absolute goodness, a perfect God, it must hate most of what we do because we are all sinners. This is the terrible fix that we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all of our efforts are in the long run hopeless. But if the universe is governed by an absolute goodness, then we are making ourselves enemies to that goodness every day. And we are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow. And so our case is hopeless again. We cannot do without it. And we cannot do with it. God is the only comfort, but he is also the supreme terror. He is the thing we most need, and yet the thing we most want to hide from. He is our only possible ally, and we, by our sin, have made ourselves his enemies. God is either the great safety or the great danger, according to the way you react to him, and humanity has reacted the wrong way. Herein lies the dilemma of human existence. This is the great fix we are in. And there had to be an answer to this dilemma. There had to be an answer of how to be reconciled to this great, perfect, good God when we ourselves are so flawed and sinful. There had to be some type of remedy, some type of mediator to stand in the gap that sin created between us and God. There had to be some kind of answer. And Paul gave us, he explained that answer in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, and accordance with the scriptures. I've come to tell somebody this morning in Liberty Lake, Washington, that the answer to our dilemma is still the gospel message, which is without question the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The answer to our problem is the sacrificial purchase that God made 2,000 years ago on the cross to purchase our salvation. And if you're thankful for the gospel, I wonder if you would praise him right now.
For those that don't know the story, let me just briefly recap. We know that God was manifest in flesh. That's what the Bible tells us, that he, he needed to die for our sins to fulfill the plan that he always had from the foundation of the world. Amen. Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was not manifest until a certain point. But it was always in the mind and plan of God to come give us an answer on this wretched broken earth. And so God overshadowed the Virgin Mary, amen, and God birthed himself, amen. He, 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 he robed himself in flesh. He literally existed as an infant, as a baby, a child, a toddler, a teenager. He walked through this earth the same way that you and I do. He slept, he hungered, he tired, he, 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 got, he got distressed, he got worried at times, amen. He lived a completely human life just like you and I, amen. Then his earthly ministry started and he began working signs and wonders. He began healing bodies. He began he began raising the dead. He began opening deaf ears. He began performing all kinds of miracles to demonstrate his power, to demonstrate that he was God manifested in flesh. Amen. And then the time came for him to fulfill the plan. Amen. And so he went to the cross, the Bible says, and that he could have brought himself off of it with legions, thousands of legions of angels. If he could bring people back from the dead, then he could have easily, mysteriously escaped from that cross and escaped from the Roman soldiers. But he did not. He hung there on that cross intentionally for you and I. He bled out of his head, his wrists, his feet, and his sides. He shed that blood, the only perfect innocent blood that could wash away sins. He did it for you and I, even though he could have gotten off the cross at any point. He endured pain. He endured bruising. He endured brokenness for you and I in this place today so we could receive forgiveness of sins in the waters of baptism through his name. And as we know, because we have the luxury of looking at our Bibles and reading the end of the story from the beginning, we know that the story did not end there. He was buried in a tomb. He was there for about three days. On that third day, we take this story for granted, but I pray that we never stop getting excited, amen, about the gospel story. He rose from the dead on that third day and showed himself, amen, to his friends and to the disciples, amen. He told them before he ascended back into heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. There's going to be something special poured out on you on that day. Amen. And they said, okay, we'll go. Jesus ascends back into heaven. The disciples go to Jerusalem. They go to an upper room and they pray for seven to ten days. Amen. Somewhere in that time frame, waiting on this promise of the Father. They did not know what the promise would be. They did not know what it would look like. They did not know what it would sound like. All that they had was a word from God. Can I just say really quickly here that if they could pray and tarry for seven to ten days, I wonder sometimes if the church, if we could tarry for at least 10 minutes or at least 20 minutes or 25 minutes in an altar call, amen, if they were willing to wait on the promise of the Father until it came down upon them, I, 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 I wish we could be willing to wait and trust and wait until that promise comes down on us as well. If you need the Holy Ghost today, don't just pray for two minutes and stop. Don't just pray for three minutes and stop. Pray until the promise comes down down. It doesn't have to take long. You can speak in tongues in a few seconds. You can even speak in tongues at your pew where you're sitting right now. But if it doesn't happen in two minutes, if it doesn't happen in five, if you don't get all you need right away, keep on praying until the power and the promise falls on your head this morning. Amen. 
So to quickly summarize the story, they're there as we read in our text. They're in that upper room. They're praying. The Holy Ghost is poured out. The way that they knew the Holy Ghost was poured out is because they all, all 120 of them, that means James and John, and yes, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there too. She had to receive the Spirit just like everybody else. And they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance when they received the Holy Ghost. That's how they knew that they had been filled. And on that day, the church as we know it, the body of Christ, the church was born. That, that was the day that the beginning of the end started. As Joel said, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. Pentecost triggered the beginning of the end. And once the spirit was poured out, the clock started ticking. And just as they began the, the, the last days, we are still in those last days. The only difference is we are even nearer, we are even further to the end than they were. Ever since that day in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, God has been pouring out the answer for all of humanity. He has been pouring out his spirit and his power just like he did in Acts chapter 2. He has been pouring out the remedy for depression. He has been pouring out the remedy for fear. He has been pouring out the remedy for anxiety. He has been pouring out the remedy for addiction. He has been pouring out the remedy for loneliness. He has been pouring out the remedy for lost sinners who have no hope. He has been pouring out salvation. He has been forgiving sins. Ever since that day in Jerusalem, God's been doing it, and he's still doing it today, and he wants to do it today in Liberty Lake, Washington. Don't tell me that God doesn't move the way he used to move. Don't tell me God doesn't pour out his spirit the way he used to pour it out. Don't tell me that we have to receive some different kind of spirit than what the apostles and the disciples received. You aren't going to shortchange me that easily. If the Bible says that, that, that the greater works shall we do, that these signs shall follow them that believe, that was not just for Peter and James and John, that was for all of us here in this place today. It is for all who are afar off. That means all of us. I don't, I don't receive a, a less than spirit. I don't receive less than power. And if they spoke in tongues when they received the Holy Ghost, then when I receive the Holy Ghost, I'm going to speak in tongues too. There's no other way around it. There's no other message. It is the truth. If you have never had that experience of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, God wants to pour it out on you today just like he did in the book of Acts. I have a friend who recently, a few months ago, amen, I tell his story because it is so powerful and it impacted me so greatly when I heard it from him. Amen, he was, he's an evangelist, he does what I do, and he was preaching in Hong Kong. He was preaching overseas, amen. And there was a, uh, there was a large conference going on there, and it, it was supposed to be a conference where the Japanese uh, got, were united with the Chinese and the Taiwanese and all kinds of different uh, ethnic groups in that region, in that area, coming together for an apostolic conference in Hong Kong to glorify God and to have a crusade and see how many people could be filled and baptized and healed, etc. Amen. And so my friend was getting ready to go. It was a few months before the conference. Amen. And he got a call from one of the, the leaders over there. And he said, uh, they, they said, my friend, we have some bad news. We still want you to come preach the conference. But the numbers are going to be much, much more diminished. He said, because there's been some problems. And now, now there's some ethnic division. 
And now the Japanese don't want to be with the Chinese and the Chinese don't want to be with the Taiwanese. And they're all sectioned off in their own groups. So we're just going to have to do our own thing. But please pray for us, brother. Our, our, the body over here cannot handle this division. We need each other. And so he said, okay, we'll pray. They prayed and fasted, amen, and it was about a month before the conference. He got a call back, and he said, you'll never guess what happened, amen. There's been some phone calls. There's been some tears flowing. There's been all kinds of apologies, forgiveness extended and forgiveness received, amen. And now we are going to have the conference the way it was originally planned with all of these different ethnicities and races together. I just felt to throw this in here even though it's part of my message. Now is not the time for division. This, these last days is not the time for division. Whether it's political division, organizational division, whether it's ethnic division, there's no room for prejudice in the church. There's no room for hating our brothers and sisters. There's no room for hating backslider. There's no room for any of that in these last days. We've got to get together. We've got to get united. And when we are and when we push aside our bitterness, our anger, our prejudice, God will pour out his spirit in ways like he has never done before. Hallelujah. Amen. Lines of division is not just an American problem. It's not just a Pentecostal problem. It's a human problem. And we have got to transcend these things. And that's what they did. And so they went and had the conference and my friend preached. And I'm happy to tell you that the spirit was poured out in Hong Kong over there the same way it was poured out 2,000 years ago. And 140 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. There was around 40 people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission and the removal of all of their sins. Don't tell me that God does not move the way he used to move. Don't tell me that God cannot heal your broken heart. Don't tell me that God cannot fill your soul, change your life, change your, turn your life around, deliver you from addictions. Come on. He's still pouring out the answer just like he always has. <sighs> Hallelujah. And he went, my friend went after preaching, I'm sure, a powerful sermon. He went and he was drenched with sweat, kind of like me right now. And he sat down on the front pew and he was relieved that his duty was over. And then he heard the voice of God say, my son, you're not done yet. He said, God, he's, he's having this dialogue in his brain. What do you mean, God? Don't you see what happened? I, I did my job. I'm tired. I'm jet lagged. He said, no, son. He said, there's more miracles that I want to work in this place because there is such a high level of faith in this atmosphere. He said, because of the faith that's here and the hunger that's here, because there are people here who are hungry and desperate for me. He said, there are some blind eyes that I want to open. And there are some deaf ears that I want to unblock. So my friend wrestled with God for a while because that's quite an intimidating thing to do. To stand up behind a pulpit and, and make these statements not knowing what's going to happen. But thankfully he was a man of faith. And after wrestling with God, he finally gave in because he wanted to sleep good that night. And so he said, okay God, have it your way. He goes up to the platform. He takes the microphone. He said, I know this may sound crazy. He said, but, but I God told me there's blind eyes that need to be open and deaf ears that he wants to heal. He said, so is there any blind people here in this house this morning that have faith? for a healing. 
and six people that were blinded in their eyes, they were led by, by other people, led up to the front of the altar, six people. He said, okay, is there anybody that's deaf in their ears? And they had a sign language translator that translated to them, and there was five deaf individuals that came forward for prayer. My friend said that they prayed for about 20 to 25 minutes, no longer than that. And I am happy and rejoicing to tell you that at the end of that prayer in Jesus' name, six people who were blind left with their vision. And five people who were deaf left with the ability to hear. I'm telling you, God still heals. God still saves. God still forgives. God still pours out his spirit upon all flesh. And whatever you need, if you have faith, believe that God can do it for you this morning. Just start believing. Just start trusting. Let your faith rise a little bit this morning and begin to believe that God can do anything. I need somebody to praise him right now. You might be visiting with us this morning, and you might be wondering what all this is about. Why are we praying? Why are we shouting? Why am I feeling what I am feeling? I'm telling you that if you are feeling conviction, or you're feeling even just a little bit uncomfortable in a good way, can I tell you what you're feeling is the presence of God? Can I tell you that even if you are a visitor, and you don't have a church background, and you don't know what all this is about, and maybe it's even your first time here, I'm happy to tell you the Bible says that if you have faith, even just a little bit, even just the size of a mustard seed, that God can come down and begin to move mountains in your life. So if you're a visitor here, do not be intimidated. I am not just preaching to the church. In fact, I am preaching to you because God wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. Don't be afraid to let your faith rise right now, wherever you're sitting. Don't be afraid, even if you've never prayed before, to say, just talk to him right now. God, I don't know what all this is about. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want what this preacher's talking about. I need help. I need healing. I need deliverance. I'm telling you, if you begin opening your heart and begin talking to God right now, he will not fail you. He will not ignore you. He will not let you down. On the day of Pentecost, there were basically, if I could summarize it this way, there were two types of people, just as there are today. In the scripture text that we read of Pentecost, there were two types of people. There were observers and there were participators. There were those who watched from afar. Some perhaps were not mean, but they were just curious and they did not want to step their foot into that circle and get involved with all those crazy tongue talkers. There were others who were not so kind, and they opened their mouth and began to mock and curse and spit at them. Amen. Not liking what the Pentecostals were doing. These were the observers. There's all these these different people that were on the outskirts, on the periphery, observing what was happening. And then there were participators. There were those that said, I don't know what all this is about, but I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I don't know what all this is about, but my marriage is falling apart. 
I don't know what all this is about, but my body is racked with sickness and I've tried everything else. I don't know what all this is about, but my kids are out somewhere strung out on drugs and I need some help. I don't know what all this is about, but I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And so I'm going to walk up to those Pentecostals and I'm going to say, what must I do to be saved? And I am going to be one of those 3,000 people that were speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I'm glad that I'm preaching today, not just to observers, but I'm preaching to a group of participators. I'm preaching to people here today, you don't want to just be on the sidelines anymore. You want God. Come on, am I preaching to some participators today? You, you're not just satisfied where you are. You're not just satisfied coming in and just staying on the periphery. I know that you're here because you want an experience with God, and if you want it, God will give it to you. You can leave this place knowing that God was real. You can leave this place knowing that God loves you and not have to live with all those doubts and confusion anymore. You can leave here saying, I still don't have all the answers. I still need to learn a lot. But I know that God is real. I know that he loves me. I know that he cares. Hallelujah. Luke 17 and 20 says, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. And that is because it only comes by participation. We must respond. When the preacher gives the altar call, we must respond. When we're in the worship service and we have an opportunity to lift our hands and lift our voices and sing unto God and lift our faith, we must respond. The kingdom of God requires our participation. If you are somebody that needs something from God, in just a few moments, we're going to invite everyone to come to this altar. And that's going to be your opportunity to go from an observer to a participator. That's going to be your opportunity to participate and step out and say, God, I will will test you. I will try you. I want this. And some of you might say, well, I won't believe it until I see it. But God's response is always, you will not see it until you believe it. The power in the kingdom of God is hidden to those who do not believe. Maybe you've wondered why you've always heard stories, but you have never seen the stories manifested yourself. Could it be perhaps, and I'm saying this in love not to bash anybody, could it be perhaps because your faith has never risen to a level where you could see the miraculous? Could it be where your belief has never, you've never allowed it to rise, you've never put your trust in God enough where that could rise, where you could begin to see the kingdom of God manifested in your life like never before? It takes our faith. It takes our involvement. Why do you think Jesus said, seek first the kingdom? Seek and ye shall find, he said. Not because Jesus wants to play games. Not because he wants to send us on an unnecessarily long search just for fun. He does this. He tells us to seek because he wants us to participate. He knows how badly we need him. He just needs us to acknowledge how badly we need him. He knows how badly we need him. He is just waiting on us to seek him and acknowledge how badly we need God. We don't obtain riches and treasure. You never obtain riches and treasure, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your family. You never obtain the rich things in life just by sitting and observing. You obtain them by seeking. Why should it be any different with God? But instead... 
Sometimes we'll feel God and maybe due to fear or maybe due to confusion or maybe even due to pride or whatever it could be, we could stay in our pew and we could bow our hands and clasp our, bow our heads and clasp our hands together, amen, and just perpetually wait, wait, wait until something just happens to fall on us. Listen, there is a principle to waiting on the Lord, but you've got to seek him while you're waiting. If all you do is wait and don't seek, you will not experience what you need to experience. You need to seek him and you shall find him. Psalms 27 and 4, we know the scripture, we hear it all the time. Let me, just, let me just tell you what it says. The psalmist basically said, one thing have I desired and that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now pause just a moment. Amen. Other translations will say here, one thing have I desired of the Lord and then it will say, and that will I seek after. Can I just tell you that it is one thing to desire and it is another t- thing to seek? There has been all kinds of things left in the graveyards of good intentions because they were desires that were never sought after. I'm glad that you have desires. If you're here and you have a desire for God, that's very good. But you've got to put feet to your desire. You've got to seek after. It's one thing to desire what you, what you want from the Lord. It's another thing to seek after it. Don't let your desire just end up in the graveyard of good intentions. Seek after it. Put feet, put feet to your desire. Put faith to whatever it is that you're wanting and needing. Step out. Lift your hands. Open your mouth and ask God for what you need. I'm not just going to desire it. I'm not just going to wait around for it. I will seek after it. And we will receive when we believe and when we act upon that belief. And can I tell you, it does not have to take long. It just takes action. It might take, it might take 10 seconds. It might take five minutes. It might take 15 minutes for you to receive your miracle, whatever that might be. It doesn't have to take long. It just takes our faith and our action. Mark 16, 17 through 18, I'm closer to being done than you might think. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says, these signs shall follow or accompany them that believe. In my name, the Bible says, they will cast out demons. They will speak with tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can I just remind somebody that these signs are for everyone and anyone that will believe. It does not say these signs shall follow the preacher that believes. These signs shall follow Pastor Mayo when he believes. These signs shall follow Pastor Gamboa when he believes. This, my, my Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Anybody that has faith, anybody that trusts that God can do it, anybody that believes for the supernatural, anybody that believes for the miraculous, they shall accomplish these things. They shall see miracles. It is God's will for people to be healed in his name. It is God's will for people to be filled with his spirit. Amen. I wonder if the musicians can come. I'll never forget, I've told this story before, and if you're here and you've heard it, just pretend like you've never heard it, amen, because every time I'm reminded of it, it still rocks me. I'll never forget when I was in, uh, in Tampa, Florida, amen, and I'll tell this story till the day I die if God gives me the opportunity. Amen, I was preaching at a home missions church in Tampa, Florida, and a woman came in who knew the pastor from years ago, didn't know him really well, but she knew him and she knew that he had a church there in Tampa, she was from Buffalo, New York, but she came to Tampa, amen, because her father, Steve, was in the hospital and was in horrible condition. He was dying. 
He was in that hospital bed. And so she, she had tried everything. They had tried everything. And the last thing on her list to try was a Pentecostal church. Sometimes it's the last thing on our list. Sometimes we save the best for last. And we don't even realize we're doing it. And so she said, I don't know about all this. I don't know about all this exuberance and this excitement and this hand clapping and tongue talking. But you know what? I've heard that those Pentecostals believe that God still moves supernaturally upon the earth. That God still intervenes and works miracles and he's still real. You know what? He's so real that he's moving among these pews right now. You just can't see him. God is here. You're not going to jip me and tell me I don't get to experience him the same way the apostles did. They got to walk with him, talk with him, feel him, see him, see, see all kinds of incredible miracles, shadows, healing people. And you're going to tell me that I just don't got to sit in my seat and I just got to just clap my hands and do the do si do and just I, I just, I don't get to have any of that. That's all over now. Once the cannon was closed, you just can't experience that stuff anymore. No way. Not the God I serve. I've seen too much for you to convince me of that. I've seen God move too much for you to convince me of that. And I'm sorry, I'm just taking a second here because I feel, I feel that there's someone here that wants this. You really want to believe it. Amen. But, but because of maybe things that have happened to you in your life, there's a skepticism. There's a, there's a wall up. There's a guard up against what I'm talking about because you don't want to be taken advantage of. And can I tell you, nobody and nothing is going to take advantage of you. You have nothing to lose. Amen. You could come up here and you can pray. And if you don't like it or if you don't feel anything, then you can go home and just continue doing whatever you want to do. And no one's taken advantage of you and you haven't lost anything. But I can guarantee you that's not what's going to happen. Because anybody, any time anyone takes a step of faith, God always responds. You will not leave here wondering, well, did I feel him or not? No. If you respond, you will know that he has touched you, that he's visited you. Hey, man. Don't get too nervous. I've got a timer up here. We're all right. Hey, man. Steve. In Tampa, Florida, was laying on a hospital bed. He, he could not breathe on his own, and he had tubes down his throat. His daughter came to us on a Sunday night. She said, will you pray for my dad? She was weeping and sobbing. She said, we've tried everything else. He said, yes, can we come visit him tonight? She said, you cannot visit him tonight. Only family can visit him because it's after hours. And the pastor said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do what they did in the Bible. We're going to anoint this handkerchief with oil. We're going to give it to you. You're going to take it to Steve tonight. You're going to slip it in his hospital gown. And we believe by the morning uh, a miracle is going to have been performed. And she said, okay, we'll do it. And so she left. She stuck it in his gown that night. Amen. And we got a call from a very excited daughter that morning. She said, you'll never guess what happened. Even though he has not been able to breathe on his own for two weeks. Amen. This morning he woke up and he was talking on his own and breathing on his own. They were able to take that tube out of his throat. They said his... His mental cognition was incredible. For somebody that has not been breathing on their own and somebody that's been on drugs and on an IV, they thought that it was going to take him a lot longer to start to recover and be able to speak well. He would have slurred words. None of that. From that very morning, the nurses came in and he was talking with them like, like, like he had been doing it all his life. He was, he was brilliant. He was sharp. The nurses were amazed. They said, we, we did not expect this. We've never seen anything like this. Amen. And so God had already begun to work the miracle in Steve's life. 
And so we said, praise God. We can see God's hand in this. He's already started to heal Steve. But Steve was still in the hospital bed. He could not be immediately released. There were still some other problems. And he was a retired nuclear physicist. And the work that he used to do around nuclear energy had destroyed his body. And so he's still there in the hospital bed. So we said, we're going to come and we're going to pray for Steve, okay? We're rejoicing over the healing. We're going to come and pray for him again that God would just continue the work. She said, okay. We got there on Monday. We began to talk with Steve. We discovered that Steve was a great man. He was a moral man. But he was somebody that did not know the Lord. There are all kinds of people out there. Did you know they might have good morals? They might live a decent life and be a good taxpayer. Amen. But they don't yet know the Lord. So Steve had read his Bible a few times. He knew a little bit. He was a kind man that needed Jesus. And so we talked to him. And before we could even finish our conversation, Steve all of a sudden started talking, stopped talking. It was as if he felt the spirit enter the room. And Steve stopped talking. He closed his eyes in the middle of conversation. And he held out his hands on either side of the bed, signifying that he was ready to pray. And so the pastor went on one side of the bed, and I went on the other side of the bed, and we took his hands, and we began praying for Steve. We, shortly after praying for Steve, I'll never forget it, the heart monitor that Steve was hooked up to began beeping rapidly, began going off like crazy. And I was worried about Steve at that point. To be honest, I was wondering, have we just killed Steve? I was a little nervous. But thankfully, the pastor was not nervous. And he, the pastor did not stop praying. He continued to pray ever more louder as that heartbeat monitor continued to increase and beat faster. I quickly realized, and this is no joke or hyperbole, the reason why his heart monitor machine was going off so rapidly is be not because he was dying, but because Jesus Christ was beginning to open the doors and walk into his heart. We looked at him on that hospital bed, and after just a few seconds of praying, we begin to see Steve's mouth start to shake and tremor. We begin to see his tongue and his lips start to shake. Amen. We listen closer, and all of a sudden, a beautiful heavenly language began floating out of Steve's mouth on that hospital bed. And on that day, at 65 years old, God filled Steve with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. God save Steve. Don't tell me it's too late. Don't tell me God doesn't move that way anymore. Don't tell me he's not a God of the miraculous. It is time for an outpouring. It is time for an outpouring of God's spirit like never before. God wants to do what he did in the book of Acts. God wants to pour out his healing, his power, his spirit upon all flesh. Don't tell me he doesn't do it anymore. Don't tell me it's too late for God to move in your life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what you've experienced. The Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That means no matter what you've done, and no matter what's been done to you, could ever separate you from the love of God. His love is here, and everybody under the sound of my voice qualifies for what I'm talking about today. The Bible says whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we're going to pray in just a moment, and we're going to speak that name of Jesus Christ because we're going to access the power that we have in his name. I believe, are you with me? I believe that God wants to fill, God wants to heal, and God wants to work miracles in this house this morning. I believe that there is enough faith present here for this to happen, or I would not be preaching this this morning. There are saints of God that have been praying and fasting. There is faith in this house for the impossible, for the miraculous. 
Bible says in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Everybody under the sound of my voice has heard the word of God today. And that means that faith is all around us. It is in the atmosphere here for the taking. It is just up to us to claim it, to stir up our faith, and to step out in faith. I don't have the time to tell you of more stories of proof of God's miraculous power in these last days. I don't have the time to tell you of God healing people of, of cancer, of pain they had for years, of, of diabetes, of, of heart murmurs and holes in people's hearts, breast cancer. I wish I had time to tell you these stories. You know, some of you saints, you know, you've seen these things happen as well. But for those of us here that are visiting, I wish I had time to tell you all the things that God is doing over this earth. But I believe God has given us enough material. He's given us enough today where you can act on your faith and you can experience some of these things this preacher has talked about today. Why don't we lift our hands and pray right now? All over this house, let's lift our hands and pray before we go any further. Come on, let's ready our hearts. Let's empty our hearts of anything that could stand between us and him. Come on, let's just start sweeping the house so God can fill it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. Come on, there's hungry people. You need something. That's why you're here. You are not here by accident. I don't care if somebody drug you here to church. You are not here by accident. You're here because God wanted you here. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to throw this in here. There are some broken hearts that God wants to mend in this house. When God pours out his spirit, it doesn't just heal, it doesn't just feel, fill, but it gives us peace and it gives us fullness of joy. And that's what God wants to pour out in this place. So I want to ask this question. This is going to take some faith on everybody's part. But listen, we're all a family. We're in this together. Amen. So just get loose, get comfortable. Because here's what makes us different as apostolics. We don't just preach about this and then send you home and tell you, you know, just read about it and you'll enjoy it. We believe in applying what was preached. So, if you, are, if, if you have pain in your body, I wonder if you'd raise your hand right now. Pain in your body, raise your hand right now. Thank you, keep your hands raised. It's a lot of people, big church, lots of pain. But God is bigger. Thank you for your honesty. Put your hand down, please. If you, if, if you don't necessarily have pain, but you have a sickness in your body, you know it's there. You've been told it's there. You, you feel that it's there. Would you raise your hand? You have some kind of illness. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. God pays the bills around here. Amen. There's nothing too hard for God. Okay. If you are here and you have not yet, keyword yet, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with that beautiful Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues, the same way they did in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, if you've never had this experience and you'd like to, would you slip your hand up at me so I know who you are? Amen. Don't be afraid. There's one. Thank you. Thank you. It's all right. That's all right. This is great. Anybody else, you have not yet received the Spirit of God. Keep your hand raised. Thank you for your faith, bro. Anybody else? I know there's a few more here. There's two. Thank you. Amen. I think I saw three. Wonderful. Tremendous. Okay. Well, if God sent me here for even three people that need the Holy Ghost, I'm fine with that. And if you're here and you need it, but maybe you are unsure or maybe you're afraid to raise your hand, we're going to invite everyone to this altar in just a minute. And listen, you are not disqualified. You are not excluded just because you're afraid to raise your hand. Okay? While we're praying, if at any point 
you feel the presence of God drawing you, I want you to come because God wants to fill you. Amen? Here's what I want us to do. Everybody that raised your hand uh, for pain and for sickness, if you are physically able, I want you to come to my left. Come up here to the front as quick as you can to my left. If you're physically able, if you need a healing. If you are not physically able, you can stay where you are or you can find a seat on this front pew if that works for you. Come to my left, please. Amen. The Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. You say, what are we doing right now? We are simply applying the word of God. We are simply putting the word of God to the test. Amen. And God passes that test every time. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Let's make some room if we can. If you've got to go far over there. Amen. If you've got to stay at the center. All right. If you need the Holy Ghost or if you're someone that needs the Holy Ghost and you need healing, come to my right. If you need the Holy Ghost or if you need the Holy Ghost and healing, come to my right. You've never received it before. You've never had that evidence of speaking in other tongues. All of you that raised your hand, this is your chance to come up here to my right. Thank you, brother, for your faith. Amen. Now, because there's a lot of us here and we believe in the laying on of hands, we are going to have our minister, the ministers here at this church go amongst you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe in, in, in God for the miracle. But because we, we may not, because a lot of people get to lay hands on everyone, I'm just going to pray a prayer of you. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over you because that is the name that has all the power. Amen? If you're someone that needs the Holy Ghost, please come up to my right. If you can squeeze through, if you have to go through these pews just so we know who you are. Amen. And if you are someone here and you say, I don't even know what all this is about, but I need something from God. I'm desperate for a touch of God in my life. Please come. Please come. Amen. If we could make some room for those to come. Amen. As close as they want to get. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a, pray a prayer of repentance because the Bible says this is the first step. Peter said that the first thing that we have to do, the answer is we have to repent. Everybody with me? Amen. Here's what we need to do. You say, what is repentance? Amen. All eyes up here just for a moment. All, repentance is this. Repentance is a literal turn. It's a, it, it was a, even used in the military, a military term. Turn. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from your past life and turn towards God. Ask for forgiveness for your sins. Tell them you're sorry for your sins. Repent, and God will hear you, and God will forgive you. This is the first step. Even if you're a saint that's been here 60 years, whether you need a healing or whether you need the Holy Ghost, we are all going to repent. Amen? And listen, it's kind of like this. And, and for those of you that are seeking the Holy Ghost as well, I don't have enough water in this glass to show you. But it's kind of like this. After you repent... And you begin worshiping God because when we're done repenting with our hands raised and our heads raised, thank you, brother, we are just going to begin worshiping God. We're going to be lifting our voices. We're going to begin praying in boldness. We're not going to pray in failure or fear. We're going to pray in faith. That's why it's important to have our hands raised and our heads raised because we're not coming to God in doubt or unbelief. We're coming to God with a posture of faith. Amen. Believing for the miraculous. And after you repent... And when you begin worshiping God, you're just lifting your voice. If you don't know what else to say, you're saying hallelujah. You're speaking the name of Jesus Christ. You're, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Just worship him that way. And you will feel your tongue begin to stammer. You'll feel your lips begin to tremble. Surrender to that and God will flow out of your mouth. And you will speak a heavenly language that is not your native tongue. Amen. For those of you that need a healing, I believe when you're worshiping God and lifting your voice, you're going to feel a change in your body. I believe it's with you. And it's kind of like this. After you repent, the more we pray, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like a glass filling up with water, okay? You pray, you pray, the glass fills up, the glass fills up, and then it gets to the brim. Amen. And you're going to feel your mouth start to stammer and shake. And if you want at that point, you can shut it down. You, God, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. 
Or you can surrender to what you're feeling, surrender to what God is doing, and let it come overflowing out of your mouth. Keep on praying, keep on filling up the glass until it overflows out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Let's begin to repent right now. Listen, let's lift our hands. We're all going to repent right now. After you've done repenting, I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you. Amen. And I am just going to shout the name of Jesus. When I shout that name of Jesus, I want you to shout it with me. But you're not just going to shout it once. You're going to continue to shout it. You're going to continue to lift your voice until the miracle happens. But right now, let's take 30 seconds or so. Let's repent. Let's mean it from the bottom of our heart. Come on. Let's mean it from the bottom of our heart. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm sorry. Come on. That's it. Talk to him. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done. I'm sorry for everything I've ever said. I'm sorry for everything I've ever thought. Forgive me, Lord. Come on, that's it. Tears are flowing right now. That's it. Let those tears flow. Let those tears flow. Come on, but you got to talk to him with your own mouth. I can't pray the prayer of repentance for you. Close your eyes and talk to him with your own mouth. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't want to live the way I used to live. Come on, this is important. This is not frivolous. This is not hype. Come on, come on, come on. I need you, Jesus. Come on. He can't talk to you if you don't talk to him. He can't talk through you if you don't talk to him. Come on, just a few more seconds. Just a few more seconds. Oh, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything I've ever done. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to live for you. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. We've repented. God has heard us. God is forgiving us. He's accepted our prayer this morning. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to shout the name of Jesus. And we are all going to lift our voices. We're going to shout it together. And the singers are going to sing. We're going to worship together. And God's going to pour it out. By the authority of the word of God. And in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind sickness and I loose healing. I bind doubt and I loose faith. I loose the Holy Ghost. I command you to be healed in your body. I command you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues right now. I command your tongue to be loose right now in Jesus' name. Jesus! Jesus! Somebody shout that name with me. Jesus! Come on, open your mouth, lift your voice, pray in faith. Jesus, hallelujah, I need you, Lord. Come on, that's it, you got to lift your voice and pray in faith. Pray boldly, pray boldly, pray boldly. That's it, that's it. around you. Keep your eyes closed. Come on. Just pray. Just pray. This is between you and God. Don't worry about anybody else. Lift your voice. Pray in faith. Pray in boldness. Hallelujah. Jesus. 